Your employees expect top-tier medical benefits like comprehensive care access, but how can you balance these expectations against rising costs across your full benefits portfolio? Find savings and opportunities in your most highly utilized benefit, your pharmacy plan. Did you know that hospital employees fill 25% more prescriptions each year than other industries? How can you tell if all those prescriptions were needed or if you could have had significant cost savings by filling at your own hospital pharmacies? Tap into these opportunities with an independent pharmacy benefits partner and solutions designed around your unique requirements and resources. Rx Benefits provides pharmacy benefit strategies, from expert advisory services to programs that leverage your hospital pharmacy's purchasing power, all while offering competitive benefits with award-winning customer service. We've been working with hospitals for over 15 years, and our clients range from rural and critical access hospitals to large health systems, with healthcare-specific solutions that make the most of hospital assets and dispensing capabilities. Visit us at employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in the show notes to learn how to boost your benefits with an optimized pharmacy plan. Bo and Luke Nation, welcome to another episode of the Bo and Luke Show. I'm your co-host, Luke Kerrigan, and I'm here in our virtual studio with our other amazing co-host, Bo Bravo. And we have the pleasure today of having Sana Salam on the show. I actually met Sana as a referral through one of our partners at SAP that I work with in my day job. I know everybody's like, oh, Luke does podcasts all the time. I do have a day job as well. Uh, and that's how I got to meet Sana. And the referrer that uh, sent her my way was actually, you know, she's a pretty high ranking uh, VP over at SAP. Uh, there's a big global company and just raved about Sana. She said, oh, you have to meet this person and have them on your show. So here we are. And we made it into reality, right, right, Bo? Because that's what we do here on the Bo and Luke show is we just turn, we take action, we turn dreams into reality. And and now here we are. So Sana is the CEO and founder of an organization called Sadalis Solutions. Uh, I'm going to let her describe exactly what Sadalis does and her journey to get there. But long story short, they have made a big splash and partner with a number of ERP uh, companies out there, some that you might know, like Oracle, uh, SAP, obviously, is where she came in, came in through. And just, you know, these partner organizations that they have, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat this, but you kind of like, you got to have your stuff together, right, in order for them to want to do business with you. Uh, they don't just invite anybody into their partner ecosystem. So I'm always super intrigued when somebody is, you know, founder and CEO and brought it up and gets these these partnerships. Because uh, you know you're doing, Bo, you know you're doing something legit, right? When these billion-dollar companies are like, hey, you'd be a great ad yeah, of course, and fill a good need. So, so let's jump right in. Uh, give a warm welcome to Sana Salam. Welcome, Sana. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello, Bo. Hello, Luke. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, so just quick introduction. My name is Sana. I am the leader of a company, Sadalis, and it is a company that we founded with literally $20 wow. investment. And today we have worldwide customers um, that are using our software. So we're actually a software company that fulfills a critical need for compliance in HR sector for regulated industries. So that covers public sector utilities, transportation, railway, uh, manufacturing, construction, and healthcare. Uh, at higher education as well. So some of our clients are World Bank, um, 
Lockheed Martin, ULA. We have many of the city governments, state governments utilizing our products. We also have top 10 utilities across North America and some of the global utilities utilizing our product. Uh, within international sector, we have governments of, government of Saudi Arabia and other organizations that are in public sector, very prominent ones utilizing our software. So it's a software that makes the life of regulated industries better by making them even more compliant because their exposure level is very high. And we have an international team and we're based out of Toronto, Canada. Wow. Let's unpack that. That is cool. That's a lot to unpack. So where are we <laughs> yeah. going to start? <laughs> very good. So, um, uh, so I'll give you some quick background as well um, on how the company was formed. Um, the company was actually formed with just an experiment, experimentation, uh, just trying to learn what's out there, what's in the market, where the needs are. And I think first four or five years, we're just learning how cloud products are built because I personally had no experience in cloud or just building a company. So I think that was just first five years and then building a little bit of cash flow and just doing other gigs just to learn. And then from there, we were able to create a team. And so I think I just played solo for my first few years. And then from there, began to build a team, build the software. And it's been only four years that we've launched our main major platform. And since then, we've just been doubling in our growth, uh, customer base, adding on more and more enterprises, larger enterprises. In general, an enterprise would have up to... 400,000 employees utilizing our solution at wow. the same time. So as you add more enterprises, it just multiplies our um, user base as well. That's amazing. Wow. I think the, you know, out of all of everything that you just said, and for the folks listening, because, you know, our platform and, and helping people do better, I, I think there was a key thing that you said there. Um, and, and this is, I think, important for anybody, whether they're an entrepreneur or they're just trying to start a single company. Is it took you for you know for first five years like five years is not a short amount of time, so and, and then it's the last four years you stated like that you're really like now you're flowing with the product and, and what it is that you're offering. Um, I, I think it takes a lot of um, discipline for folks starting companies that you know it, it it's not a get rich quick scheme to start a company and build a company and grow a company. Like it's determination and discipline. How did you face that? Like, how did those first five years, you know, as you're going along, did you ever have moments of doubt or want to give up or go do something different? Or were you just that determined that you're going to keep, keep working to figure this out? I love this question because this is a question I ask myself every <laughs> single day. So I would answer that by saying, I think you are the first investor in your life. That's how I started. So any person out there, you're the first investor of your life. So your time, your energy, your money, your time in this world while you're alive and what you can do with it. So, for example, you can do this one thing and live a day job and then um, and which is something you can really love. And then, you know, go back to bed and next day wake up again and do the same thing. Or you can say, you know, I would start from, you know, the, you know, my end goal that I want to maybe help X number of people by the time my life ends, for example, could be, I want to help hundred thousand people. Mm -hmm. For example, you start with that and you realize that you're living a very limited life and you're living a life just for yourself. So once you decide that you say, okay, my time investment is actually better suited. If I can create something that doesn't just benefit me, but it benefits a lot of people, but that means I need to have money. 
I need to have connections. I need to know influential people and I need to have experience or knowledge to be able to create something unique that people actually mm-hmm. pay for. So I think for me, that was the journey. The first five years to find the right idea, to find the right either ecosystem or connections, I would call it. So I think I just focused on learning and I was very well aware of my surroundings and I am surrounding myself with the people who are uh, nurturing me as an entrepreneur. I am building myself into an entrepreneur. So yes, there were moments of doubt, but I think they were always offset by the constant learning around me. In addition, I would say that um, I was very humble. So I was not looking to get rich. I was looking to think that eventually there will be an impact. So, for example, today our company employs more than 80% females, especially females who are either single mothers or young females, and we help them build their careers up. We give them really good um, tools to be able to raise children while being engineers and building tech products. Um, we also then give back from the company's earnings um, into third world countries and other causes, especially, again, for women who are widows, are really old, can't support themselves by giving them something that they can do at home. So that's that's really where our, most of the earning after the company is earned. Earning is revenue is going back to you know those families. And we have a count of it. And as of today, we've helped more than 400 families just through the company wow. earnings. So I think keeping those goals in mind was helpful. So yes, first five years were super hard. Even most days today are hard, but I think it just gets easier because you get used to it and you're always thinking in those moments. It's not just for me, it's for a lot of other people that I want to make an impact on. And it's, I want to just really say something is that I think what you should aim for in this entire process is not fame, is not money, is respect and knowledge. I think really want to say these two words, respect and knowledge. And that would be your drivers to start building the discipline to not be so focused on earning something quickly and be rich uh, very quickly. And as you do that, you will build high quality habits that would attract money and the right connections and the right people into your life that will lift you up. Amazing. We should just mic drop yeah, like that right there. <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. Did you say you started this with a twenty dollar investment? Mm-hmm. Was this twenty dollar US or Canadian? Yeah. The US. US. And okay. I would say that because <laughs> my first like two, three years were just about learning how cloud products are built. So it was very critical to um, you know go to and visit different um, cloud labs, I would say. So I used to take a um, bus, it's called Greyhound Bus. Sure. <laughs> we, we're familiar. It's literally a $20 bill that you pay and you can take a trip to us for example you can go to philadelphia which is where we had a lot of these cloud products uh labs where people are actually building stuff and what you can do there if you're working as a volunteer especially is to learn how things are made it doesn't mean you make the same thing but you actually learn the process of making so it's the same skill set that eventually we needed to build eventually a product or a company so that is what i used to do and i did that for almost two years and you know when you said there Oh, I think you said something really important is if you had the moments of doubt. I mean, that was the time when I had the most doubt because I did have a high paid job before that. And um, there was a break in between. And I used to think, oh, my God, this is not good. Because sometimes I used to take late evening uh, buses and almost like a four or five hour uh, ride. And I would say that I think 
um, in my surroundings at that time, I used to have people who would say, oh, my God, what were you thinking? Why did you get yourself into this trouble? You had a very prestigious job. And I think those are the only times that I had moments of doubt. And I would say then eliminating those bad or negative energy around me was super mm-hmm. helpful to then just stay focused. Wow. Have you ever, um, I'm sure you have, unless, unless I'm wrong. And this was just a success story where you started, it just went up into the right and you're killing it now. Um, what challenges have you, have you run, ever run into a big, huge challenge in the business and how'd you handle that? I once got, um, when I was younger, I was at, uh, my in-laws, they were having a Christmas party and this guy came out, he sold a government contracting firm for like $500 million. So I was like, well, I'm young. I'm going to ask him how to do it. So I'm just like, what's your advice? Like, how do you, how do you handle this? How do you get that much money? And he was basically like, well, the, it's, it's solely on your ability to handle disasters. He's like, and during your business, you will have three to five absolute disasters that will take your company down. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can get past those, you, you know, making the money is actually pretty easy. <laughs> Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bowen Luke Nation, discover your leadership edge with Edge Leadership Academy. Their expert coaching transforms high performers into influential leaders. Whether in business or athletics, they tailor their approach to your unique journey. Embrace their mentorship and workshops to elevate your leadership skills. Join the ranks of those who lead with confidence and purpose. Visit edgeleadershipacademy.com to start your transformation. Edge Leadership Academy where leaders are made. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I like that. I like that. And there's a book uh, by John Maxwell, and he's a great leader of leadership. Uh, and he talks about turning points in life. And he talks about every human gets at least six to nine turning points in their lifetime. And actually those turning points start to come in very early in your life. And most people who make good decisions during their turning points, and sometimes those will be very difficult decisions, um, they will actually do really well in life because that those turning points define the direction of their life. Same thing applies to a company as well, uh, in my opinion. And I think in our case, it was actually the when we were pivoting between 2015 to, and the period to 2018 or 19, we were actually trying to be a different type of company. We were trying to be a service company and we had a completely different team scru- structure and uh, actually had a business partner as well at that time. And uh, we realized that we were not going the right direction, even though we began to earn a lot at that time. We had multi-million dollar contracts already, but it was a choice to walk away from it. And that was a very difficult choice to restart again. And basically that we lost almost three years of that yeah. time frame to re- begin again. And everybody's saying, oh my God, are you crazy? Why are you doing this? And I think that was the right direction to pick and choose that this is where you want to go. And uh, I reset the company and um, rebuilt it from a, a brand new team again. I think that was a turning point for us. But I think the, that, that one year was difficult and hard where you're go through that disaster and everything is unplugging and you're replugging and you're doubting your decision as well. And days get harder because there's no cash flow, and that puts a lot of pressure as well. And just so you know, as of today, we're still bootstrapped as a company. That's amazing. I think, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show started, before we hit record 
And and I 100% agree with what you said from Maxwell about the six to nine turning points in life. I, I can, I can, mm-hmm. I can even for myself look at those turning points and I remember them very specifically because they absolutely were turning mm-hmm. points. Other people might call you crazy. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you resetting? Um, I would say you're courageous in doing that. And people who make those types of decisions during those times, I, I honestly believe, you know, in all the different people that we've talked to from all around the world on this podcast and different, different types of entrepreneurial journeys or just their journey in life. Um, I boiled it down to that, that one thing. I really believe if we tie them all together with a common trait, it's courage. Mm-hmm. And, and it's varying degrees of courage. Like somebody who thinks you're crazy probably doesn't have the level of courage to take the types of risks that you did. You know, cash flow is a struggle. That, that means your life, your personal life can be a struggle. Right, it's not just your business; it's yes. your life, and and you're taking this on because why? Because you said it earlier, you had a purpose, you had a thing that you wanted to achieve. It's like, what are these results at the end that we're going after? And that that drove you, um, to be courageous. So I I think you're you're identifying some of the most key traits, uh, just through your story, Sana, uh, that I think people can grab onto and find true inspiration from. So I, I couldn't be more thankful for you sharing that. Agreed. Thank you. Thank you. I love the word courage because I want to say it's something so important for everyone out there listening is that it is like a muscle and you can build it. So I used to be a very shy person who knew nothing about even this field, had no connection. Like you repeat that because that can be very overwhelming. Like you can always think about what would be my starting point. And it's almost like a chicken and egg story because if you don't have money, you can't build a product. If you don't have product, you can't build a team. So it's chicken and egg story. And um, I think courage is something you can build. And it's something as you fail through steps and figure out the next steps and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And sometimes that does mean pause, reflect and restart, maybe in a very creative way. Um, you can build courage. And if you have setbacks, it's totally normal, totally normal that you will build some sort of paranoia where you're no longer courageous, but you can rebuild it again. So that means if you do fall down, you know, don't just give up. You can actually rebuild that personality again and restart. That's also very yep, important. Absolutely. That's amazing. So Sana, how are you uh, balancing everything? We talk about work-life harmony here a lot. What's your style? Are you, how many hours a week are you putting in? Are you a workaholic? Are you like, Hey, no, we'll work on it. And then you have, because we don't know, you could be like climbing Mount Everest in your spare time for all we know. (laughs) I love it. Well, I enjoy my life. I think this is the happiest time of my life. Good. I'm more happier than I was ever before. Even when I was working for large enterprises, I'm more happy now. And I would say work more hours, but I enjoy my work. I try to use my time to coach um, new team members. I work a lot with immigrants, especially to help them, you know, even build a resume and just sharing experiences. I think I enjoy my work. I work a lot of hours. Most days I start at seven and my day around say six o'clock then take a few hours of nap and then start again. And I work till late night and I do work every Sunday. And it's something that I enjoy to a level that if I'm not working, I'm not enjoying my life. So I call it indulging as opposed to working because I'm actually enjoying Mm -hmm. the process of creation and see what else can we do. I think that's the part of the job that's really, really nice. Luke, don't you? But balancing is key. No, that's okay. Sorry. (laughs) Balancing is key. I I think for me, that's 
mental health is anything that's impacting your mental health. It's just, you know, making sure that you take care of that. So if you have, you know, a difficult day, just make sure that you go out, go for a run, exercise, eat well. So that's what I call as balancing is as part of the job. Yeah. Luke, I, I think, um, I think it's important to note, right? Because we've talked to folks. Um, we know people, uh, Asana, we've run into them in the workplace. Uh, cause I think you just described, you know, you say integration, it's hard. It's so harmonious. Your life is your life. It's your, it's just your life and you enjoy it so much. Um, the, the work that you're doing, uh, I've seen leaders constantly walk through the halls of an organization, uh, cause they're trying to help their team. I think that it comes from the heart and they're trying to help their people find balance. So they, so they like force them to go home or force them to, to leave the office and go home. Right. And I've, and Luke and I work a lot in healthcare and you even hear those stories mm-hmm. where they're trying to make, um, even the doctors and the surgeons go home, like you're working too much. And, and when we get into these discussions, what's often missing is the feedback from, you know, if you have somebody who became a surgeon because they really wanted to save lives, being in the OR, even if it's for 14 hours a day, and that's what they love to do, they don't see it as I need balance. They're, they're like, I am serving my purpose. This is what I love. Why would you make me go home? Right? So it's such a, um, I think that's why Luke and I are on this mission to like really try to teach people and then the education's just in educating people on harmony and, and helping people find their purpose and don't force don't force this work-life balance on people because if they're truly if they're like you and they just love life and they love what they're doing and and look you said it yourself you're happier than you've ever been but somebody who's not in that position might say my gosh sana works 80 hours a week i would never do that well no she's not really working she she just loves what she does and why wouldn't you want her doing that mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You said it right. And I I also think of it as a responsibility. I always teach my team uh, and the people I coach is whether you work with us or whether you work anywhere, just know that if you have high energy and if you have knowledge and skill set, it's your responsibility to share it and amplify it and multiply it because there's a lot of bad in the world, but the good can become more powerful if we actually enrich it, which means it's all of our responsibility, we have knowledge, skills, expertise, passion, energy, use it to multiply and do good in the world. That's really what I, what I think we should Amen. be thinking about. So, so true. So true. Oh, Sana, this has been great. <laughs> Sana, for the last few minutes here, we just give you a chance to address the audience and say whatever you want. Uh, tell them about Sadales. Leave them with... Uh, you know, some good parting thoughts and then we'll wrap up. Yes, very good. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on this show, Bo and Luke. It's a pleasure and an honor to be speaking with you and your um, audience. Um, so first of all, go check out sadalasolutions.com. That's our website. And we basically focus, like I said, on regulated industries, compliance. It's a very unique need for especially unions and their needs, an area that's been ignored for years. And we help them make their lives better uh, with safety and better relationships and um, a better transparency. It's something that they've been craving for. Um, but on top of that, I think my message for the, for the audience would be is to have a learning mindset. And across your entire life, doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter if you're old, as long as you're learning, you will be living. 
And it does mean that if you have a personal setback or you've had a career setback, just learning from the process and trying to make your life better and do better the next time would be would be something that will take you to the next step. So next time when you set your new year resolution, don't just set it up for the revenue or the big house or that love relationship, but also think about what are the habits that I can build that can elevate my game next year. And it could be something so simple as maybe using less of social media or maybe making uh, better quality friends. So just, you know, check on yourself and start building those habits and set up those goals every year. And I think that would transform your life. That's how I've done my new year resolutions year over year. And I think that is what helped me become a better person where I am today. Well said. That is great advice. Absolutely. Well, Bo and Luke Nation, you've been listening to the Bo and Luke Show with Sana Salam. Sana, thank you so much. And you're always welcome back. I gained a lot from this. I think our listeners did too. And, you know, you're an awesome person. So I'm really glad we were able to meet. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bo and Luke Nation, that's a wrap.